More than anything, looking back, I wish I hadn't been in a hurry. Probably the biggest thing I would say is don't close other doors. It took a while and it took, you know, my friends calling me enough to say like, hey, you want to go play? That I started to do it a little bit more and, and was able to remove my self-worth from my results a little bit. That really has been sort of the, the big part of me falling in love with the game again. Howdy y'all, Kendra here, coming to you with another episode of Golf Homies. Today on the podcast, we have my original golf homie, Philip Baghdad. I've known Phil since I was about seven or eight years old when we met on the driving range at River Ridge in Eugene, Oregon. His story with golf is one I believe people will find very relatable. It's one that I certainly can relate to. Phil is one of the kindest people I've ever known. He is a tremendous golfer, one of the purest golf swings I've ever had the privilege to watch, and anyone who's seen him swing can attest to that. I really hope that y'all enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, let's get into it. So I was born in the Chicago area and grew up playing a bunch of different sports, uh, hockey sort of being the main one, but was at like a big five with my parents and saw a set of plastic clubs in a box and for whatever reason said like, you know, that looks like fun. Can I, can I try that? And uh, my dad had played golf, but you know, not for years. Fortunately, my parents said yes. And we got some little plastic wiffle balls and we had a big enough front yard that I could just try beating plastic balls around the yard. Then we moved to Eugene when I was about seven and the hockey definitely wasn't the same scene as in the Midwest and just kind of took to golf and tennis and basketball a bit more. And then golf was the one that I really just decided that I loved the most and uh, really dove into it and, and took lessons. And then, yeah, I started playing some tournaments when I was nine or 10. And, you know, that's that's really sort of just been a huge part of my life since then. You see, it's funny. It's like I've, I've known you my whole life, basically. And I didn't, you know, know that first bit about you were a huge hockey player and I I don't know about you but I remember the exact day and first time we ever met I don't do you do you remember I'm putting you on the spot here oh gosh I want to say it was at ECC no okay it was at River Ridge oh <laughs> even better yes RIP River Ridge yeah oh my it's I mean god yeah that is unbelievable thing about that is not even on the face of the planet anymore but so moved to Eugene ditch some other sports, find golf is kind of your thing. Yeah, just kind of speak about like your junior golf experience. When I was getting started playing golf, the the, the idea that there could be tournaments for kids was a totally foreign concept to me, right? Like just loved this game where I could whack a ball and chase it. But then uh, had some some friends, the Polsky family that, that mentioned that, um, you know, hey, have you thought about doing some tournaments? And it was just sort of like, I didn't even know that was a, a thing. And yeah, it, it, it opened up this whole new world really where it went from uh, being just this fun activity to being something that really became a pursuit. The, the number of families that basically traveled around the state together every summer was so memorable. And it, it, it really does make it fun to just bump into people around town or at tournaments in different places and, and being able to reminisce on all those memories. Because I do think that whether Oregon really was ahead of its time or had a, a superior program or not, it, it they did a great job of fostering a, a community that is enduring. Exactly. So yeah, kind of transitioning from that that junior golf experience, when did it kind of become a reality or a goal of yours that you were going to play in college? Yeah, I think it was probably uh, 
it was pretty early that I realized that I wa- it was something that I really wanted to, to chase. I think I was probably 12 or 13. Obviously, this is 2000, early 2000s. Tiger Woods is dominating the world, making golf look really cool. A real superstar that I, you know, I don't think anybody in our generation couldn't say that they looked up to, right, uh, or was motivated by. And so I, you know, set this side on like, wow, like being able to play golf as a living was just such a cool idea and and really sort of had that as the the grand prize at the at the way end of the you know end of the rainbow uh kind of thing but knew that college golf was going to be a big big stepping stone in that process so yeah probably early teen years i really took away some of the focus from other things that i was doing and decided that uh golf is where i wanted to focus my attention and that was uh uptick in the trend in terms of time and effort and uh you know fortunately was able to make it a reality but it was a really fun process too. So you golfed at, at River Ridge, obviously growing up. And then when did you make the, the move over to Shadow? It was actually around that time. Um, you know, it, it wasn't for uh, lack of some internal discussions in the family about whether it was worth joining a club. But, you know, the facilities at Shadow Hills really were, were good for junior golfers and a good uh, environment there and um, a membership that, that wanted to see junior golf do well. Definitely like put together a pitch to try to sway my mom that it was worthwhile. Um, and so, yeah, it was around that time, around age 13 for me that we uh, joined Shadow Hills and just basically became the routine that my mom would drop me off there in the summer and the mornings and she'd pick me up for dinner. And I was out there beating balls and putting and chipping and playing with you and, and Robbie Pitts and Alan Kelly and Scott Wiley and Polsky brothers and, and some other guys. And we'd just go chase it all day. Talk about the recruiting process and and how you sort of ended up at the University of Arizona. Yeah. I remember really <laughs> sort of being deer in the headlights once college coaches started showing up at some different tournaments and things. And it definitely wasn't just because of me, but you know, there was a bunch of really great junior golfers that um, were a year ahead of me, my age, a year younger, that a lot of us went off and played uh, division one golf, you know, had definitely seen both coach Nosler at U of O. And then uh, when Casey came on board, Brian Watts at Oregon state. And then uh, at some of the bigger tournaments through the summer, you know, coaches from around the, the past. 10 at the time would would show up as well and I remember when I first got the chance to to receive mail and and then ultimately phone calls it was always sort of a, a countdown to those those windows to see who I might hear from and um, you know didn't have as much interest as I I would have hoped but it, it you know it all worked out really well where definitely had some interest from uh, from schools in the Pacific Northwest primarily but by virtue of placing well in a, a, a tournament here in the Portland area I got to go to uh, Junior Worlds down at Torrey Pines and Got paired there with a guy who was a, a pretty highly touted junior golfer, and he was being recruited really heavily by Arizona. And so I got paired with him all three days, actually, and I wound up beating him. And so the Arizona coach, Rick LaRose, was with us for, for all three days, and um, he came up to my dad and me afterwards and was like, you know, if you have an interest in coming to Arizona, let me know. And I was like, I've been waiting for this. You know, it was it was so funny that, uh, a fun aside, I remember the, the Duck Invitational at Eugene Country Club, you know, usually March horrible weather. I had sent out my little recruiting packages, you know, trying to suck up to all these coaches saying how much I wanted to go play for them. And and Arizona was one I really was serious about. And uh, I go up to the second tee, (laughs) the assistant coach from Arizona's there. And uh, as is the coach from Cal. And I was talking to the coach from Cal for a little bit and he's a super nice guy. And then I went over to coach Knauer from Arizona and I said, you know, I sent you a package. Did Did you receive that? And he just said, yep. 
and then made it very clear that he wanted no no business with me. So uh, I, I moseyed along the rest of the day. But uh, at that point, I didn't really think that Arizona was going to be a possibility. But then, it, you know, it did work out really well uh, at Junior World. So that was, it was just kind of a, a funny uh, evolution. Yeah, the the recruiting process is, is definitely tricky and it can can be difficult to put yourself out there. And I actually commend you for for doing that. At, at that age, that takes a lot of a lot of courage. Yeah, I you know, the, the the sort of tried and true path for a lot of those big schools um, in college golf seems to be AJGA, and I think that it's probably only become that in a in a stronger stronger sense now. But I mean, that's a huge financial commitment. And um, even just going around Oregon, you know, it's not cheap. And so, um, you know, I got to play a couple. I never did any AJGA, but I did um, some of the... IJGT. IJGT, exactly. And, and, you know, there's definitely so much more attention at those, more coaches and things. And so, you know, I I just kind of felt like I needed to do more if I wasn't going to be able to go to those tournaments uh, in terms of building some awareness that I was capable of playing and you know wanted to have a chance to to play at some of these higher level schools i really wanted to to play in the pac 10 that was my my sort of ultimate goal uh you know it was and um i think in a lot of ways still is sort of the the cream of the crop in terms of college golf obviously there's some great programs in other places too but from top to bottom at least especially in that time the pac 10 was so so good so you you get to arizona talk about just your your college golf experience and I know like everyone has such a different experience especially with with college athletics golf in particular yeah uh Arizona was a little bit different we carried a really big roster so we had you know 14 15 guys on our roster pretty much at all time sometimes that was really fun uh our coach liked to give guys chances which I I think was a good thing and every you know he had a few guys that had come through that uh had basically been walk-ons that then had really really great success but it also made it sometimes challenging to crack the lineup for instance but you know I, I had come in sort of riding a high from from high school and junior golf and um, was able to play a lot right away which was really fun and pretty much traveled everywhere my first few years and then you know kind of counter to the normal I, I, I wound up not traveling as much my last year uh, so it was kind of an interesting progression that I think I came in as a little bit of a, a naive 18 19 year old whatever it was and was used to competing for tournament titles. And then all of a sudden, uh, the the pond was a lot deeper and bigger. And, you know, at first, I it, I just sort of had my blinders on. And then I think I started looking around a little bit. And I was like, like oh, my God, like, that's that's Patrick Cantley, you know? Um, and there was, there was so many guys like that. And I think I psyched myself out a little bit. But... I also uh, got in this nasty rut of uh, of playing not as well as I would have liked, and just thinking that I, it just meant I needed to work harder and harder. And in hindsight, I really wish I had taken a step back to to reassess wh- how I was going about things because I was doing the same things and expecting different results. And one of those things that I, I wish I could go back and try different um, because. I, you know, I can't help but wonder a little bit, like, what if? But, you know, fortunately, it also worked out well that 
as I was starting to get a little bit burnt out that I got into my finance classes and and it was one of the first times that school was sort of interesting for me too. So that that alleviated some pressure, but it really did take me a few years after that burnout to to want to get back into it. And so, um, you know, I was starting to show up to practice wondering when I could go home and it it, it went from feeling like a, a game to feeling like uh, a job and I was extrapolating my tournament results into my future success. I was, you know, play bad in a tournament and say, oh, well, you have no chance at playing golf for a profession now, um, basically because of one round, right? And it's uh, not a, a healthy thought pattern, but definitely one I fell into. You kind of mentioned it there about just kind of getting burned out towards the end of your college career and and putting the sticks away after graduation and talk about that and, and the once you kind of went through that phase, your transition into reincorporating the game into your life. It took a while and it took, you know, my friends calling me enough to say like, hey, you want to go play that I started to do it a little bit more and and was able to remove my self-worth from my results a little bit. That really has been sort of the the big part of me sort of falling in love with the game again and just enjoying the process and having fun going out and hitting a bucket of balls in the evening or, you know, going and chipping and putting a little bit. Um, I've always enjoyed the practice and, um, you know, then going out and 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 playing golf with buddies on the weekends whether it's just in the men's club or um you know playing in in tournaments and things it, it's uh it's become more of a social thing not to say I, I don't care about my results but um you know it's just the perspective's different than it was you finish college graduate you get back into golf you move back to portland talk about golf now what does it look like and how it intertwines with your life you know, it's it's interesting. It's sort of gone back to more of my cadence of when I was younger, which I think is part of the reason that I'm I'm enjoying it a lot more again, right? I'm not I'm not playing every day year round. Typically I put the clubs away around Thanksgiving and might touch them a couple times until the masters. But a lot of times I just said, you know, it's raining cats and dogs out and it's 40 degrees and and you're a skier and i'm a skier so you know yeah once it starts raining like that i'm like okay i'm looking at the snow report right and so i'd go ski and i love to go ski still and that's you know growing up it was a great reset for me you know i also played a lot of basketball and stuff growing up and so having those other activities to just kind of get my mind off of golf for a while so that when the season did come around i could be intentional about it and i I think that that was one of those things that i i really missed in in college that i my sort of theory is that if you grow up in uh, a climate where you can't play golf all year round you do it really intensively for a while Um, whereas the kids that grow up in southern california arizona whatever they play all year round and they they know how to regulate their time and their energy a little bit better. I think that, you know, it it, it is something that, you know, once it's golf season here in the Northwest growing up, I wanted nothing more than to be at the golf course, right? But I couldn't really do it all year round. And I think that uh, I took that that sort of intensity to school and it worked well for a while. And then it just sort of uh, ground everything down to the bone and it just didn't really work as well anymore. But um, yeah, so now I, I still love to go ski and stuff in the winter months. And I've played more golf this winter than, uh, than most. But, um, you know, now my normal routine is if I'm in town from, say, April through 
October, I'm probably going to be playing in the men's club Saturday morning with uh, a bunch of great buddies uh, out at Heron Lakes. And then, you know, do, do some of these tournaments. I probably play six or 10 tournaments a year. And I mean, some of that's like, you know, very barbecue tour, right? You know, then there's some other tournaments that are more serious. Like I'll probably play in the Oregon AM this year. And I'll, I circle a couple of USGA qualifiers every year. And, you know, those are the ones that I, I sort of game plan around a little bit more, right? The normal weekend men's league, I'm trunk slamming 90% of the time. Tea time at nine. Okay. I'll see you there at 8.58. I think that it's also, it sort of helps lower my expectations. I haven't gone out and hit a bunch of balls and either gotten psyched because I hit three good ones on the range or shanked four in a row and I'm terrified what's going to happen on the first tee. So, um, you know, the, the less I think about it these days, oftentimes the better. What, um, so give me your, give me your top three Portland golf courses. They can be, they can be public or private. Favorite? Royal Oaks. I just think that condition-wise, routing, it's tough to beat, in my opinion. The rest are, are, are sort of tough, right? Like Witch Hollow out of Pumpkin Ridge, really, really special property. You only really want to play it in the summer, though. Early fall, probably the best. And then Portland Golf Club, Waverly, East Moreland, a blast. What I always like to say about East Moreland is I hit every club in my bag every round I play it. it and that's that's a quality that you just don't see in golf courses very often yeah I I love the I love the municipal aspect to it and just the kind of ruggedness of it I always whenever I play it though I'm always like man I wonder I wonder what this place could be like if someone just came in with just like a shit ton of money and just like made it like just like this most pristine like ECC like or shadow like I just wonder like what the ceiling on it would be because I feel like it would be a pretty insane experience 100% agree um, you know, we were even talking about that at Rose City this weekend, that the routing is fun. And if if they could get a good sand program or whatever, if I pretend to be a super um, and act like I know what I'm talking about, like, you know, if you could get the conditions a little bit more consistent through the year, there's some places in town that could really be special. And Heron Lakes is no, you know. It's, it's the same way that the blue course at, at Heron Lakes will really challenge you. And if you uh, if you can play well there, you can play well anywhere. I think just to kind of like close it out, I, I'm always, I kind of assume that most other golfers that have kind of gone through the, the junior golf, college golf, you know, route, you're, you're constantly reflect, reflecting on that part of your life because it was such a huge part of all of our lives and, and really dominated um, the narrative in our life and, and the direction of our life. And I always kind of wonder if you could go back and give your younger self advice like what would what would you say or what would you what, what's one thing you look back and you're like man I really wish I could get in my my younger self's ear and just you know just give this advice it's a really good question I think the probably the biggest thing I would say is don't close other doors. I I stopped doing some of the other things that I enjoyed doing, like skiing, going to the rec center and playing basketball because I was afraid of getting hurt. And, you know, valid concerns. And, you know, I guess when you're getting any sort of scholarship, you, you sort of are an employee to a degree. You don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. But I really wish that I had, had done more things like that to just sort of soak up and enjoy the college experience, especially because, you know, there was more days in college than not when I was waking up before 6 a.m. And so I didn't get the, the normal sort of college experience. But, you know, I, I think that probably the one th- more than anything, looking back, uh, I wish I hadn't been in a hurry. You know, I, I, I've always been very goals oriented and wanted to go from one milestone to the next. But I wish I had just taken an extra year in college, either redshirted a year 
if I'd been totally, you know, omniscient, I would have just taken off my junior year and said, I'm going to make sure that I figure out what I want to do in school and take a little bit of a break from, from competitive golf for a little bit and then uh, be sort of re-energized to go back into it. You know, a victory lap as a fifth year senior or something would have been really great. But yeah, I just, I, I, I was so intent on onward and upward the whole time that I think I didn't get to, to smell the roses a little bit. Well, it's been amazing sitting here and kind of hearing through your journey. We could, I could literally talk to you just, I mean, we grew up together. We went to high school together. Like we have an infinite amount of memories on and off the golf course. Ski season just passed us. So I was going to say we need to go skiing together, but that's going to have to wait until next season. Until then, we're going to have to get on the golf course together. And we might have to just go play Glendivere since we've not, neither of us have played it. I like it. We'll trade one set of sticks for another. All right. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Kendra. That's going to do it for this edition of Golf Homies. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation. As ever, keep spreading the good word that golf is home, and we'll catch you on the next one.